Thanks, Ashley. I'd like to talk to you about living life by design or by default. I read an article recently called Adrift in a Pandemic. And it talks about that when we're dealing with this kind of stress and anxiety in our world, it is hard to find the right direction. Now, for someone who's already dealing with not having a good sense of direction, it becomes very difficult. When I travel, if I'm in a small town, I'll lose track of, of where I am. I, I, we used to have maps. If you don't know what a map is, Google it. But there's maps that we would unfold out, you know, the kind of accordion, you, you can it'd be like this and you know, never could get them back the right way. And my wife is phenomenal at reading maps. I, on the other hand, is not. And she really got frustrated with me because she'd give me directions and I could never get to the place that she wanted to meet me or go because I couldn't follow the map, especially when we first moved to Houston. Came from a small town of a thousand people and all of a sudden we're in this uh, fourth largest city in the United States. Can very confusing. So I looked it up and there's actually a name for people who have difficult. The term is topographically agnostic or topographically disoriented. And it goes on to say, it's a family of different problems which apparently have other issues as well, which is no surprise to anyone. But some people, I can use my GPS on my phone and in my car, but if you give me directions that are written or verbal, I, I can't seem to make the connection there. But if I have someone saying, turn left, turn right, at the stop sign, do this, it becomes much easier. So that's what I want to talk about today. How can you live, go the right direction in life by design, by someone telling you the right direction to go as opposed to default and getting lost. So our scripture today is Proverbs, is Psalms chapter one. Psalms is a wisdom literature and this particular Psalm is instructional information on how we should live. Follow along as I read on the screen. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and in whatever he does, he prospers. The writer lays out two paths for us to, to go by, to live. The writer says you can either follow the herd, follow the crowd, let the world squeeze you into its mold, or you can be led by design, by the heart and the thoughts of God, making a decision based on his perspective, living by design. The writer starts off talking about blessed, and some translations use happy. Uh, it's really about the one who's clearly mapped out their life effectively. They're living intentionally. We live in a world by living by default is disastrous and very dangerous for us as believers. And the writer runs through three different stages that move us into a life that is drifting or default. Stage one, look at it, it says, do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. What is the counsel of the wicked? Well, it's just the way most people talk. It's, it's the way the, the conversations that happen in the world. The counsel of the wicked is so pervasive that sometimes we don't even know what's going on. It's just, we just hear it all the time. We have no idea. It's bombarding us every day. You turn on the TV, read the newspaper, uh, look at social media, you see the counsel of the wicked. Messages like this, do whatever makes you happy. Hey, just follow your heart. Manifest your destiny. 
God is not in really in control of your situation. And do whatever kind of seems right or feels right for you. All day long, you and I are bombarded with the counsel of the wicked. So constantly, sometimes we don't recognize it. We don't know. And it's setting us up. It's shifting the way that we're thinking. It's shifting our perspective. And it's filling our mind, or at least influencing our mind all the time. I'd like to challenge you. Begin to listen today, tomorrow, as you're watching the news, as you're watching television, as you're looking at social media. Look at it from a discerning standpoint. And it's not going to be blatant. It's not like go out and kill someone, steal, lie. It's going to be subtle. When someone says, follow your heart, well, the heart, Proverbs says, is deceitful. But that's the counsel of the wicked. So that's stage one. We, we listen to the counsel of the wicked. I think NIV says counsel of the ungodly. Second stage is this, nor stand in the path of sinners. Now, most of the time we think about standing, we're thinking about standing in front of someone, being a hindrance, blocking someone. But yet this particular passage, the author or the writer is talking about, I'm acting with them. I'm not just listening at this point, getting advice. I'm moving to action. My mind has been infected to the point now it becomes a way of life for me. People, who are the sinners? The sinners that God talks about all through both in the Old Testament and New Testament, people who miss the mark. They, they shoot at a target, but they are slightly off. It's just not hitting the mark of where they want to go. You begin to conform to that example, and it just becomes to seem normal. We have so much of the counsel of the wicked that all of a sudden we just go from the advice to the action. We just start living that way and not thinking anything of it. It just becomes normal for us. That's the only way I can explain. A friend of mine this last year, 2019, he was leading a Bible study in a small group, and I'd mentored him the two years prior to that so he could do that. Family man, wife, son. Great guy, loved the Lord. He went from there to deciding to divorce his wife and leave his son and wife. He said, I just want to live a life that's fulfilling. I want to live a life that's extraordinary. I want to be happy. and Everyone should be happy. That's the counsel of the wicked. And he went from the counsel of the wicked to all of a sudden the path of the sinners of making the choice to leave his wife and then marry another woman with two kids and she left her husband as they had an affair. And then over time, he went from being a Christian to worshiping Hindu. He totally shifted his mindset. We were talking a couple months ago. I said, so you believe in reincarnation now? He said, yeah. So you go from, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ to no longer I believe in Jesus. I believe in a totally different mindset. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a counselor. I said, how do people make that kind of shift? He said, it happens all the time. People have to make that type of justification to, for the actions that they have. See, the, the counsel of the wicked, that's how it spreads, by the way, is by the actions of us. All of us are sinners, but we don't have to act upon the sin. It's the constant counsel of the wicked that gets people to move to the path of the sinners. And the third stage is this, sit in the seat of scoffers. 
we move from the mental shift to the behavioral shift to we're actually mocking and ridiculing the very things that we should be pursuing. See, that's the danger of influencing, being influenced in the wrong direction. It talks about a progression. It's a result of a drift, a result of being in the default mode. No one intends for it to happen. Jesus gives this example in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. At the end of the sermon, chapter 7, he says this in verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Notice Jesus uses the adjective foolish. When, when kids do something foolish, parents always ask the question. It's a, it's a question that's designed to make sense, to get some type of clarity of the unexplainable. It's a question that's searching for meaning, uh, some type of rationale. It, it's, a, it's a short question, one word, three letters, why? When the walls are covered with magic markers, when your oldest son forgets to leave the bike, to put the bike up and leaves it behind your car, so when you back out, you're going to run over it. Why? Why did you do that? Why did you two have a contest to see who could stick the longest spaghetti noodle up your brother's nose? Why? And they come back with the same, same answer every time. I don't know. I don't know. I think it may be the last thing that they are taught before they're born. Hey, you're going to be asked, I don't know a lot. So here's the common response. Standard answer. I don't know. Foolish man. Why did you build your house on the sand? I don't know. It just happened. No one sits down and plans to live a mediocre life. No couple gets married and plans to get a divorce. No one walks into a bar and plans on becoming an alcoholic. No one has kids and plans on being so busy that the kids become like strangers to them. And no one nurses a grudge in their heart and plans on being a resentful, bitter person. It, it just happens. The Bible says this, that given our inner condition of sin, our fallenness, and the outer condition of the world, that the only alternative is really radical. Standing operating procedures with a smattering of religious activity laid over them will not bring about the transformation that you and I need and want in our lives. You have to live life by design. You have to live on purpose, deliberately allowing God's to transform your way of thinking, transform your way of feeling as you saturate yourself with God's thoughts, God's mind, God's heart, living by design. Verse two, he says this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law, he meditates day and night. Talking about God's laws. And when you think about law, we think about stop sign, speeding, that type of thing. Really what it is, it's, it's the, the, the purpose of God's law for our life. It gives us direction. It's the fulfillment of his word, his promise, his thoughts, his hearts to guide us to get to know him better 
so that we can have not only a better relationship with him, but other people. And it says that we're so delighted by it. There's, a, there's an element of, of happiness. It brings joy. It brings peace and fulfillment as we focus in on the law of God. What's his point? The counsel of the wicked is so pervasive that we have, our only hope is to fill our minds with something different, to dwell on the thoughts and heart of God. He says day and night. What, what part of our existence does that not cover? We, we're constantly thinking about what God is saying for our lives, what God is saying for our fulfillment, what his thoughts are, what his heart is. That we fill our thoughts, that gives us life, that gives us joy. And it's not burdensome or some type of control element. It's to bring about joy. But we're to do it seriously, soberly, intentionally, deliberately, moment by moment. So that when I look at my circumstances and I look at people, I see the circumstances as God sees them. I see the person as, as God sees them. My only hope is to begin to fill my thoughts, my mind, with the thoughts of God, the heart of God, with his word. He uses meditate, and the meditate's used in the Old Testament over 58 times. Meditate's not some type of esoteric guru thing. It's basically this. It's focused thinking. And the key is this. What the mind repeats, it retains. What the mind repeats, it retains. What you repeat, you remember. And the truth is, you and I have remembered a lot of things because we've heard it over and over and over again. So, let's do a little test here. Not really a test, but maybe a little interaction. I'm going to give you a sentence that you'll be familiar with, and I'd like you to finish the sentence. Some of these, I think, are actually songs. If you want to sing, you certainly may. I will not. I think I've done that before. You guys didn't like it, so I'm not going to do it again. So here's the first one. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Second one, like a good neighbor. Did you get that one? Third one, I'm stuck on Band-Aids. And last one, Lucky Charms there. Now, most of us haven't really been meditating and focused on Almond Joy got nuts, Mounds don't, or Lucky Charms are magically delicious, or like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm stuck on Band-Aids, and Band-Aids stuck on me. But we remember that. Why? Because we've heard it over and over and over and over again. So the question is, not are you going to meditate? The question is, what are you going to meditate on? Lately, what we've been meditating on probably has been the news, COVID-19. Um, Will I still keep my job? Have I lost my job? If I've lost my job, how will I pay for my bills? We have meditated on something. The question is, what will we meditate on? What will we meditate over? So here's, here's the challenge I'd like to give you. Life is too short just to, to make it on trivia and, and live life in a drift. We're halfway through the year. So for the rest of the year, what I'd like for you to do every day, just take one thought one scripture or one thought that's expressed in scripture that you're going to live throughout that day. Just take one thought. You just run it over and over. Continue. For example, 
Psalms 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. So for one day, you decide you're going to live with these words. For today, the best I can, I'm going to be still. I'm not going to chatter thoughtlessly. I'm going to remember that I I don't have to always get my way or always defend myself when someone's saying something I feel is against me or attacking or some feedback I don't like because I can be still and know that he is God. When I know I could get my way if I push just a little bit harder, I'm going to stop and be still and know that he is God. As each situation arises, I'm going to ask God, how would you want me to respond? And for a day, you live in stillness. Do you, do you know what it's like to be still for a day? Do you, do you know what, how other people in your life would love it if you were still for a day? And I'm not talking about silence, but in stillness, it comes from God. Do you have any idea what kind of life-giving person you could be if you were still and you allowed God to be in your life rather than you? Be still and know that I am God. So that's the challenge. The rest of the year, six months, every day, take a piece of God's word. Take that and that thought and live with it over and over and over and meditate it until you see the beauty in it. Until you can delight in it to realize I can be still and know that he is God. I don't have to work out this situation. God's working on my behalf. It'll help keep me from going into the default mode, being influenced by the counsel of the wicked to move into the path of sinners, to sit at the seat of scoffers. And the psalmist says in verse 3, what are the results of design? It says, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Do you think of a tree? Tree's firm. It's that picture of a firm, unmovable tree. It's planted next to streams. It's being nourished by both the soil as well as the water that regardless of the circumstance and situation that you're in, when we focus in on the word of God, the thoughts of God, the hearts of God, he gives us the ability to see our situation differently from an eternal perspective as opposed to a temporal perspective. That we can be firm, we can have peace, we can have joy, we can have substance in the midst of a difficult situation. If everything is going around us, we don't have to be anxious. We don't have to worry. We don't have to operate out of fear. But we can have the stability. Come on. We've meditated on the word of God. We've turned it over and over and over. There's stability. Also, there's an element of results that happen in the elements, he says, which yields its fruit in its season. Fruit trees don't produce year-round. They produce seasonally. This may be a time in your life, it may be a time in our lives, where we're not going to produce a lot of fruit. We're stuck at home. We're, we're watching Netflix and what is it, Prime, Optimal Prime, whatever the Prime TV is. I don't know what it is. We don't have cable. And so we, 
We're watching TV. We're reading more. We're doing all this stuff, but we're, we're sequestered in. And we may not be able to express the fruit that we normally would express and be able to connect to people and serve to people because we can't even meet face-to-face -face sometimes. But we can still express the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23. says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And some of us, me included, I have been so trapped inside these four walls of our house, it would serve my wife well to show her love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We can still have that type of fruit. But it says the one, we have stability and there's results. It says his leaf does not wither and whatever he does is prospers. Now, here's what this is not saying. It's not saying that the blessed person will never fail, that will never struggle. James chapter 1, verse 2 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its perfect result. They may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We, we will experience trials. What it's saying, though, is, and I love the phrase of this, is to carry through to a successful result. That regardless of what circumstance that we're in, when we meditate upon the thoughts of God and the hearts of God, it gives us the stability to carry through to a successful result to the outcome that God wants for us. So that's the power of knowing God's word. That's the power of applying God's word into our life. John 14, 21, Jesus says this, he who has my commandments, that's the law of God, and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. It's focusing on the word of God, allowing it to saturate our lives through the person of Jesus Christ as we follow him and follow his word to live life by design, intentional, on purpose, so that we can have the stability, we can have the results, and we can carry through to a successful result. So today, decide, am I going to let my mind go adrift? Am I going to live by default? Or will I make the choice to live by design? By starting through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and once I ask him into my heart to continue in that path of meditating and taking on the word of God in my life and applying that word in every area of my life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that you love us and thank you that you give us your word as a guide to give us direction, to give us hope, to give us peace, to give us substance, to sustain us in the midst of difficulties and trials. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ today that we will look at your word, listen to your word, and apply your word, and allow it to saturate our minds, saturate our hearts, so that we, we hear the, the, the counsel of the, of the wicked. And we hear that what other people are doing, we can discern the difference between truth and error, and we'll live by your truth. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.